Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Shema Heider, author of Momentum, How to Propel Your Marketing and Transform Your Brand in the Digital Age, and The Zen of Social Media Marketing, an easier way to build credibility, generate buzz, and increase revenue. And you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Shama Hyder, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me back on, Doug. This is uh, this is fun. Although I have to say, I don't have a cocktail. I have, I have tea because uh, I don't drink. And uh, yet I've been escorted out of places because they thought I had too much to drink. So I don't know what that tells you. Whoa, what was going on there? <laughs> and, and the funny thing is my husband's the same way. He's He does not drink. And I have friends who come up and they're like, oh, yeah, he was so drunk. And I'm like, no, he doesn't drink. It's just, <laughs> no, that's just personality. So Wow, it sounds like neither one of you need to drink. Uh, clearly, yes. I don't think that would be a good thing for the world. So, uh, where are you? You're in uh, Dallas? I am actually right now in Miami. Oh. So, uh, yes. So, our, our fair city of Miami over here. Oh, okay. I thought you were uh, in, in Dallas. I didn't realize you uh, you were in Miami. That's great. Well, what else is, uh, what's going on in your quarantined world? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's actually been interesting uh, because it's made me... You know, like so many of us, I think you sort of rethink your um, how you've been spending your time. It's been very productive, I have to say, when I'm not traveling. And I think I just what it's dawned on me is like I'm going to get even pickier about when I travel and how you know I do. I've done so many keynotes. I've been traveling for the last ten years nonstop. Um, and so this has been like, all right, let's do a third book. And then you know when I do start keynoting again, because I do so love it. Um, I don't want to do it. As often, I just um, I'd rather do you know a fewer engagements that um, that I'm really really excited about and just limit limit my travel. And so I know for a lot of people this has been hard. 
And, uh, you know, it's challenging, of course, in its own ways, but it's also been nice for me being home because I'm rarely ever home. So for new listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast, I want them to get better acquainted with you. You were a very early supporter of the Marketing Book Podcast, and I really appreciate that. Tomorrow, I publish episode 284, and you were episode 24 back oh my in goodness. June of 2015. <laughs> and I remember right where I was when I read uh, your uh, your book. And the, the first one that uh, I interviewed you about was the Zen of Social Media Marketing. And then, despite that, you still came back to uh, ep- <laughs> episode 103, December of 2016. So for new listeners, tell them who Shama Hyder is and what kind of things she does. Oh my goodness. So, um, well, clearly I was one of the first supporters. So that seems to, that's a good, that's a good headline. Let and I didn't see that. that on your Wikipedia page, but I'll add that. No problem. Well, you no. can, you feel free. That's <laughs> fine. You know, the whole point of a wiki is that people can add to it. So that's great. That's solid. Um, I, you know, I wear a lot of hats as, uh, as I think, I believe, you know, many of your, um, your guests do. I run Zen Media, founder and CEO, marketing and, and PR agency. Um, we work with some really cool clients from Chase Business to the U.S. Navy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, boy, obviously on this podcast and, and for purposes of this audience, I am uh, an author. I've got two books. The first one is now in its fourth edition and uh, working on my third. And, oh. uh, you know, in my spare time. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I do love I, lo- I do love speaking and and of course, um, and sharing my passion, which I think is really what it comes down to. So when it comes to things, all things marketing, especially in the digital landscape, that is where I feel like, uh, you know, it's my sweet spot. I love it. And uh when I'm not doing all those things that I'm busy chasing after my 10 month old mm. and, uh, and, and, and puppy. puppies <laughs> and puppies. <laughs> yes. That's and right. Puppies. So, well, yeah. there's a lot more about Shama Hyder and she's too modest to mention it. So first off, I have to say, because I've already been talking about you uh, last week when I interviewed Tom Martin, you're a graduate of the university of Texas, Hook'em Horns. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and uh, you were the first. You were the first uh, University of Texas grad, and now I've interviewed two. The other is Tom uh, Martin. And uh, okay, but I, I have interviewed one Texas A and M uh, grad. So you know, it's uh, the rivalry still. Still okay. <laughs> well, it's, the- it's okay to keep it balanced. <laughs> right. Well, I need to get one more, so uh, I'm working <laughs> on that. But also, Shama is a. Uh, like she said, she's a keynote speaker and she's a pretty regular media correspondent. Uh, you know, you could find her on things like MSNBC and Fox Business and Forbes, Inc. and the Wall Street Journal. And uh, your keynoting has even had you share the stage with President Obama and the Dalai Lama. Yes, it's it's been neat. You know, it's taken me to lots of places around the world. I haven't shared the stage with them, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I really got to enjoy it. You know, it's uh, it's neat to be able to, um, on the speaking circuit, not just people you share the stage with, but to connect with audiences. And so uh, I think that is one thing that I do miss during all of this is not being able to have that face-to-face connection with audiences. 
I guess you must have had some things canceled, some speaking engagements and, and other trips when all this started to happen in March. Yeah, you know, I think, what's, well, so two things I've, I've seen happen. One, I had a lot of things get postponed to 2021, um, which is promising, right? And then two, a lot of my events turned remote, which has been just fine. Um, I've actually been doing a ton. It's funny, I'm actually doing more keynotes this year than I did last year, just because there's so much more remote. And I'd have to turn down a lot of things because they were you know, same day or whatnot. And I don't have to do that, right? Because it's my schedule is a lot more flexible when I can do it remotely. Um, and it's been really successful. I will say it's it's a different art to present on camera. But I think I lucked out in that I've been doing videos for, I don't know, over a decade, like 12 years now. So for me, doing videos and being able to connect with an audience through the lens, it's, it's not something I had to learn during this time. Um, so I, it's so many of my engagements just turned remote. What advice do you have for people that are having to come to where you are already in terms of, instead of speaking publicly, speaking into a a camera, like I, I did one this morning, what, what, what advice do you have for folks and, and what have you learned along the way? Oh boy, you know, I think it's a great time to revisit, right? Like when life forces you to slow down, um, you are forced to, (laughs) you're forced to slow down and take a pause and reconsider. So one of the neat things is we've actually had, um, you know, some amazing client successes during this time, which I say slightly surprised, but I really guess shouldn't be. But, you know, part of it is, you know, we're living in such a moment, right? And when I think you take a pause, you get to see things that you you missed before. So even within all of what's been happening, it's been interesting to see. Um, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person. It's been really interesting to see brands thrive and and people come together even if it's not always the easiest of coming togethers, um, you know, as, as we see. But it is neat, I think, in so many ways to see people waking up, brands waking up, um, you know, stepping into the limelight, helping their um, their fellow brethren. And so I think in that way, it's kind of been a little um, Christmassy almost. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's there's definitely something I think to be said about um, solidarity. I mean, I've seen brands step up to help their customers more than they ever would. And, you know, beyond just like the, you know, we care about you emails, like, okay. Yeah. Thank you for paying really your electric sh- bill. Right. <laughs> yes. yeah. Were those examples, do you have an example from a client or, 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 or any uh, company? Yeah, I'm happy to share. So, you know, one of our clients um, is called OneDine. They're in the restaurant tech space. And they do guest solutions, technology solutions for restaurants and hospitality. Mm. So you can only imagine how all of this, right? They're like right in the crosshairs of everything that's going on. And I get a call from their CEO, Rom, who is an amazing guy. He's like one of my favorite people. He's um, not just intelligent, but incredibly just ethical and, um, you know, really cares about the industry. He's an industry veteran for 20 years. But and then we've developed a friendship over time. So, you know, when someone calls you like that at late, late night, like 11, if, it, if a client calls you 1130 at night, you know, it's it's some it's <laughs> generally it's not a good call. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, they miss you, some, Shama. Yeah, something's happened. So there's you're generally someone out of fire 
a fire is is what you know you call calls that late and so i'm thinking okay well here's everything that's happened you know he's probably freaking out you know wondering what what we're going to do you know so i i talked to him and i'm i'm so moved by him because you know the things he says he says to me um you know restaurants they're they're all lifeblood and he says you know they need us now more than ever and uh, he i'll never forget he said how do we double down Mm. And uh, and I was like, wow, this is you know, I didn't, I was getting you're, you're ready to walk him off the ledge, and yeah, be like there's so much we could do here. And he said, no, no, he said, let's. He said, listen, our technology can be completely contactless, right? People can turn their restaurants into drive-throughs, into complete curbside order pickup. We, you know, we can do this in 24-hour turnaround. Um, and so, and he said, you know, let's, let's just make it available for free right now. You know, I really like, that's the thing. He really loves his customers. He loves uh-huh. the audience he serves. This is not, you know, the, the fact that he can make money off of it and grow a company is, is the secondary aspect. And so that's exactly what we did. We said, listen, um, we're the first company to come out and say completely contactless payment solutions, you know, hundred percent free. We will get this set up for you. Um, we had over 1,200 restaurants sign up within 24 hours across the U.S. Um, and it was, you know, it was amazing. It was heartening to see the team was, you know, working around the clock. Um, Rom himself was sleeping in the uh, in the office. <laughs> he hadn't even go home. He's just sleeping in the office. Trying so to when get he called done. you late at night, he was at the office. Of course, yeah, I was at the office, you know. And and but the cool thing is, it really. You know, they're well on their way to being a success while a lot of their competitors, so interesting things happen. One, a lot of their competitors folded, right? Just, it's it's tough. I mean, you, unless yeah. you're really, you know, willing to get creative. Uh, two, a lot of them now we see copycats. It's funny, you know, um, he doesn't let me call them out because I would, <laughs> I would be very tempted, but he doesn't <laughs> let me call them out. But, you know, we have competitors who use the same verbiage, uh, word, word to word. Um, with <laughs> with the offer, you and can you use know, you can use names that rhyme with your competitor. Right. Yeah, no, don't do that. No. Well, it's well, it's well. One of the competitors, of course, has been hugely affected. Is Toast. I mean, they've had to lay off, you know, a good chunk of their workforce. Um, and we and we saw that that played out very publicly. So it's not even a private. Um, it's not even a private affair. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a great example of a client, just one client, you know, where really embracing what was happening and figuring out how to be add value and asking the right questions. You know, um, I can give you another example of uh, our client Forbes, Forbes 8. It's like um, it's like the Netflix for entrepreneurs. You know, you get all these entrepreneurial content. And when South by got canceled, I talked to them and I said, you know, we really should think about catering to this audience. The speakers are available. Like you serve entrepreneurs, like, and they agreed and they said, absolutely, this is our moment. We want to help entrepreneurs. So we put together a virtual summit, and which is one of the first virtual summits out there on business resilience. And we got these speakers that were going to speak at South by to do their content. And, you know, it was a, a whole like three and a half hour thing and people signed up and, and more registrants showed up to that virtual summit than they have at live events. Um, you know, huge, huge turnout. I believe over 2000 people, um, had, had registered and, and watched the summit. So there's just, um, 
you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for almost every brand, every industry out there. And it's been fun. It's been fun to see, you know, um, that happen. There's this little comic or meme going around that really made me laugh. And it says, you know, who introduced digital transformation? Was it CIO, CEO, CMO or COVID? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's like, yeah, COVID really sped things up there. So. Yeah, I was uh, talking to Mark Hunter, another author, the other day, and he was joking that the healthcare industry has just had the next 40 or 50 years uh, of advancement <laughs> shoved into three months. So, yeah. You know, another example, two others that come to mind is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Zoom, They didn't they make uh, their software available free to teachers or something like that uh, when, mm-hmm. when all this happened? And uh yeah. Um, in fact, I did a, a column. Um, I did a piece for Forbes where I have a column and I did, I have kept a running list of all the companies that offered uh, solutions and breaks and things during COVID. What will be really interesting to see, um, Douglas, is that that continues on because most of that stuff was set to expire in July. Mm, interesting. Well, the Marketing Book Podcast will remain free as always. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Um, so no, another one was um, Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I remember hearing from Joey Coleman. He was saying that, uh, you know, if you're under 25, it's more difficult to rent a car. And there were a lot of these students stuck at college. They needed to get home and they couldn't fly. And he said Enterprise just said, look, if, if you need to rent a car and you're under 25, just come rent it. It's not going to be a problem. Just get home. <laughs> so yeah. they probably picked up a lot of customers for life just by waiving that. You know, it's a little more liability for them, but it's and it's not like they were gouging uh, people who. No, not at all. And you know what? It's cool because it's a you know insurance companies were very smart, and before people could start complaining or canceling, they just said, "Look, we're going to give you back you know X number of your fees because they know the risk is also mitigated, right? So um, insurance risk, it's like it's in the. It's the overall. So yes, while you might have younger, a few younger drivers, you also don't have nearly as many drivers on the road. You don't have nearly as yeah, <laughs> I got nearly as many cars on the road. So uh, that was very smart. Yeah, I saw brands do amazing things, and I'm continuing to see that. I just hope that spirit of innovation remains. You know, because this is such a moment. And uh, uh, look at Starbucks. It's a great example. Starbucks has now because they've realized that how many people are just, they just want their coffee. They're taking, they were the original third place, right? They wanted home office and Starbucks to be the third place. They are now saying that third place is more symbolic. Starts from the moment you put in your order and pick it up. Does not need the actual location. So they're closing 400 stores in the next 18 months. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. It's very, it's very smart though. I mean, look, I mean, you look at a chain like Starbucks and you're like, man, you know, a corporate store roughly is about half a million just to build out, just to build out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they could say, oh, we've invested so much. This is our ethos. But no, like, you know, they teach us for, it's always evolve or die. You know, you've always got to keep evolving. You always have to, um, to be looking for your next moment and you have to keep meeting consumer demand. So, Shama, when you're off keynoting around the world, what are the topics that you often keynote about, and what are your some of your favorite things to talk about? Oh boy, the things we're talking about right now. <laughs> you know, I I love talking about the future. I think the future is exciting. I'm such an optimist. Um, I would say what I talk about and where it all intersects is technology 
marketing, of course, reaching audiences, um, you know, and and I'm an optimist, but I'm not a fairy tale thinker, Douglas. Like I don't, you know, people will often say, oh, you, you really like this platform. And I'll say, no, I don't like or dislike anything. I just go where the people are. <laughs> you know, I'm not, it's funny. It's not personal. People get very upset. They're like, oh, now everyone's going to TikTok. I'm like, and, you know, it's just, um, and so I think in that way, I'm, I'm quite practical in how I look at things. And I love being able to share that. So my favorite things to talk about are definitely in that realm. Um, I've done a lot of talks on millennials and Gen Z and how that's changing, you know, the workforce. Um, so really, a lot of it is just like the, the future of business. What does that look like? And, and how do we, you know, how do we stay? Um, how do we stay current? How do we stay relevant? And everything I do kind of works around those themes. What are your thoughts about how this pandemic is affecting the younger workers? Um, so I think it's twofold. One, I think that most younger workers have not experienced um, anything like this. And a lot of us haven't, right? Mm -hmm. So I think from a business perspective, it will, hasn't even just fully yet, but it'll cull out a lot of um, wannabepreneurs. I think mm. this will really set the stakes where you realize, you know, it's it's funny. I think, Douglas, almost anyone can succeed when times are good. Yes. It takes a very specific type of person to win when times are tough. Um, and those tend know, to last longer. And they do. And that's a, I started my company during a recession, you know, and I don't know if that hadn't been true, if we wouldn't, we would have been, you know, been around here like 12 years later and, you know, um, top of our industry just because you learn so much. Mm -hmm. It's a tougher thing. So I think it's this is going to be a wake up call for a lot of a lot of young entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneurs in general. I also think that companies are now going to have more like the bar is higher for what young people will accept. And you see that right now, right? It's not just enough for companies to talk about inclusion. They actually have to walk that talk. Mm -hmm. And so I think young people are going to look even more at a company and say, are there people who look like me who work here? Are there people like, what are the opportunities for me? Um, you know, as, as an individual, like what is my company doing to give back? Do I have a future here? So I think that's, these are interesting things. These are interesting questions. And I think that there will be increased pressures on both the individual and the companies to evolve again, very quickly. And do you think that the younger workers are also going to make it more of a requirement that companies stand for something? Yes. Yes, I think they've been asking about this for a while, and they have no problem switching loyalties. Mm -hmm. If you look at Gen Z, I was just looking at some McKinsey data um, that was released, and they did, they did all these studies, and they're showing you know the two most fickle uh, groups, and I say fickle in terms of being able to switch loyalties is Gen Z and high er, uh, high earners. Hmm. Do not have, do not feel beholden to a brand. Like they will switch if they find a better experience and a better match for their, um, a, for a, um, you know, for, for who they are. Like if it's a more authentic fit or it's a better serviced fit. Mm -hmm. Well, 
Shama, I can't resist. This is the Marketing Book Podcast. I do need to ask you a couple questions about your books. <laughs> okay. In the the zen of social media marketing, and I may be the only one that that noticed this, but one of the reasons I liked that book is because you had such great context for social media. In other words, I recall that I was at least one third of the way through the book before you even started talking about the specifics uh, of social media. And I just found that heartening because, you know, there's so many that seem to think it's the end, or it was the, the end all be all, and that's all they wanted to talk about. And they didn't seem to uh, understand how it could could fit in well. And I think that led to some, some disappointment and uh, dashed hopes. But if not that, what are some of the things that companies uh, have gotten wrong and, and may still be struggling with as it relates to social media? You know, it's funny because I think with social media, and you're right, you know, I'm much more of a principles person, right? And I would say a couple of things. One, realizing just a vast um, impact it has. And so many companies still think of social media as networks. They still think in terms of Twitter, Facebook, maybe TikTok now, LinkedIn. But that is secondary. It's really this idea that people are the media, the impact that you're that you're having. Um, and I, I feel like so many companies miss the boat on this. They don't fully recognize this power of the people. And the more they fight it, the harder it gets. I mean, look at look at what's happening right now, right? Um, and it's all it's all the the power is very much in the hands of the people. And if you as a company can respect that, can go with that, can use you know, humor and best practices, then that is such a winning recipe. So are you saying that a lot of companies still think of social media as sort of a, a one-way interruptive medium that they could be using like broadcast television? Yeah, they, you know, they're, they do that. And they also just um, create for the sake of creating. So two things that I see often one, there's a lot of like, oh, we need content, we need tweets, without thinking about strategically, what, is, what does that mean? How Does this move the needle for us? So 99% of the content that's created ends up in a digital landfill. Nobody looks at it, nobody touches it, it's just noise, right? 1% mm-hmm. of the content that's created actually has impact. If 1%, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's just, it's like, are you thinking about where you're putting out there? The second thing I see so often, and this is a challenge for companies, and I think one of the, the one of the top concerns I hear when they work with us is it's a very scattered approach. Like we do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it doesn't, at the end of the day, move the needle. Mm-hmm. I've heard it referred to as check the box marketing, uh, which may be related to that. But your term digital landfill, Shama Hyder, I'm stealing that term. I have never <laughs> heard that before. Everybody, that's where I got it from, a digital okay, landfill. You're, you're so welcome. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> so your your second book, uh, Momentum, again, a very interesting approach. And I thought it was very, you said you go where the audience is. You went where the audience was from a mindset, I feel, because, you, again, this is my recollection, but you talked about how overwhelming 
modern marketing is. And you, you know, you just you started to touch on it there. We were talking about social media, all the different types of things you could be doing. I was talking to a, a prospect this morning, and they were all awash in tactics and trying to get it all sorted out and trying to you know make heads or tails of it all. And what momentum does, and Shaman knows this, I'm sharing this for the listener's benefit, is it's it's like an antidote to all this overwhelm. And they were like, if you just focus on these five things, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it is overwhelming, but you focus on these five things. How did you decide uh, what, and let me tell let me, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, cheat the listener. It's uh, agility through analytics, uh, customer focus, integration, content curation, and cross-pollination. You must have had 50 that you started with. I'm just, I, I was so interested in how you were able to get it down just to those five. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question, Douglas. And I guess that's why you have such a popular podcast. In there. <laughs> that makes, that makes sense. You know, these five, because I am such a fan of principles and I do believe everything else comes and goes. Like I talk about this in the Zen too, you know, there's new platforms, old platforms. You could not write a book that's current enough about platforms. It just changes too quickly. Um, but I think this sort of broader notion and these principles were the things that I have seen in the trenches over and over. And it's still so true. You know, if you don't not looking at your analytics, you're really making blind decisions. You know, um, gut instinct goes so far. But I think having those numbers being they tell a story, right? Being able to look at the analytics and form a narrative is key. Amen. And then customer focus. Look at this. Look at everything that's happening right now. You know, um, and I was talking about this years ago, where your brand is not what you say it is. It's what it allows your customers to say about themselves. Yeah. And yeah. I think there was a study from McKinsey like 10 years ago that talked about how at least two thirds of what is now said about a company is not said by the company anymore. Yes. Yeah. And it's, that's so true. And, you know, the other stat is that 64% of people will make, they already have made a decision about who they want to go with, especially in B2B before they even talk to a salesperson. Right. Like they already know they were, yeah. you know, and you think sales is the first step and sales is often the last stop. Yeah. It reminds me of when my dad would have bought a car. First place he had to go was the seller, the car dealership to get information. A couple mm -hmm. years ago, my wife wanted to buy a new car. Shama Hyder, guess where the last place was she went to get information? Such a good, yes, the dealership. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Actually, so well said. Thank you. But it was uh, the last place was her hu uh, husband. Her husband. <laughs> <laughs> She started texting oh, me. Funny. I was out of town at a college football game. And of course, you know, in a big stadium like that, the cell reception isn't always good. And my battery was wearing down. And she started texting me, asking me questions about car payments. And I was like, what? What are you doing? And what really got me going is she said, is uh, um, $5,000 a good monthly uh, car payment? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I had to grab my friend's <laughs> phone and call her. And she goes, I'm sorry, I was off by one digit. <laughs> but yes, the last place she went to was the the poor guy trying to sell the car. She had gone everywhere else. So, you know, these people think, yeah, if the customer needs something, they'll call us. Not likely. <laughs> they don't they don't no. want to do that. Yeah. So uh 
Wait, uh-huh. Douglas, can I ask you more about this McKinsey study that you're referring to? I thought that was really interesting. Sorry, I'm turning the tables on you for just a second. Not at all. And I don't have, uh, I read about it most recently in Mark Schaefer's book, Marketing Rebellion. And it was a study from them. And what I'll do is I will include a link to it in this episode's show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com. But he talked in the book about this. But what was more interesting is he said, it was 10, this is 10 years old and companies still think they can control what is said about them. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you are not out there, but I'll definitely include that because as you can see, it really uh, stuck in my head. I was just amazed that it was 10 years old and people are still in denial about it. But um, last thing I wanted to mention was that uh, folks should go to your website, uh, Shama Hyder, and I'll include a link to that and sign up for your um, newsletter. And on your blog, you recently had a post about how to stay productive from home. Man, do I did I need that article? <laughs> how about a couple of tips on how to stay productive from home? Wow. All right. I'm going to try to be more creative about these because I know there's so much content on this out there. And, uh, you know, I I feel particularly qualified to talk on this because we've been remote and media. We've been remote for 12 years. So, you know, this it didn't it, this, all this that happened didn't change that much. So but let me interrupt, Shoma. Yeah. Uh, what you don't have on your article is um, get a new puppy and then get a new puppy <laughs> at the end of this month. Are you gonna Are you gonna uh, update your blog post? It'll be yes. eleven things to stay productive. Yes. Yes. Nothing like a puppy to keep you on your toes. Nothing and a like ten month old and babies. Exactly. There. That'll do it. You want productivity? I will say I I do think this is funny and you know becoming a mom tenfolds your productivity because you. Because <laughs> you you just don't have that lounge time that yeah. you did before. You know, you're like, I have this window and this <laughs> this window will, you know, will fit all this in. And so, yeah, a couple of things that I think working from home, um, you know, I think it's very important to find what works for you in terms of your setup and your rhythm. And you can only do this by testing. For some people, it works really well to have a completely separate area for work. For some people, they don't need that. They're they're fine at the dining table. They're fine at a certain you know certain points. Um, getting fresh air, I think this is a big one for me because mm. I have a tendency I will work in long like chunks and no breaks. But I think getting up and going outside does wonders for the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you feel like, oh, I got everything here. I don't need to, but it really helps. The other little trick that I recently discovered, and I cannot believe it's taken me this many years, crazy, is a large screen monitor. I don't know why it took me this long. I was very adamant about my laptop because I valued flexibility over screen space. Like, you know, I just had to get used to it. I was like, if I didn't work on planes or in hotel lobbies, I'd never get anything done. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I've just got to be okay working from wherever. You know, I can't, I didn't want to be stuck to a workstation. But I will say, you know, having, of course, all this happening and I got this giant, like, and I don't even mean like little, giant (laughs) screen. It has greatly helped and so, uh, you know, you've got to be able to test and try things. I think it's too easy to get complacent. Yeah, that's interesting. I, of course, you know, we had an office and everyone fled and <laughs> now the office is empty. And so I'm going to let the lease go on that. But 
I, at home, I had a 27-inch iMac, and I was using that at home, and it was going pretty well, and then it just started having little problems here and there, and then I realized that the thing was like 11 years old. I <laughs> I didn't understand, so I grabbed one of the smaller ones that's in my uh, office, and I'm using that, and yeah, it, it is it is different. It's, you know, these are for, you know kind of problems to, that that only that, that fortunate people have, but I did notice that next week. I think it's around June 23rd is the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. And that's where they might announce a new iMac for 2020. (laughs) So if there's anybody from Apple that's still trying to decide whether they want to introduce a new one, you got a customer here waiting, ready to buy another (laughs) big 27-inch one. Because it's it's so true. And I I so dreaded having to go back to the smaller one. But but listen to us. It's not like we don't have our health and, you know, families and, and all that sort of thing. So... Shama Hyder, I really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you again. But first, can you tell us about your third book? I would love to. <laughs> I will tell you as soon as I figure it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you know, it, it's going to be a broader people. book. No, no, it's going to be a broader book than Momentum or Zen in that I have had a lot of people ask about, you know, uh, Boy, I get a lot of requests from people in their 20s or earlier in their career saying, how did you do it? How did you build these things? So I, I think there there's going to be an element of that for sure, mm-hmm. um, where it marketing, of course, is a big part of everything I, I write about. Um, but I think it might be a, 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 just a, a step back to – I'm a big framework person, as you can tell, Douglas. I really like writing – where I think it'd be useful and applicable to people across mm-hmm. the board. So it's not like, oh, it does not apply to me if I'm this. So I think I can tell you that these two things will be true about the next book. And I spend a lot of time on it. You know, I don't, I don't, I, funny thing is I'm a very fast writer, but I don't write for the sake of writing. I really think about what do I want to write about that will appeal to my, um, my audience that will serve and be valuable. Like the last thing I want to do is add more noise. So I think I'm very careful. Uh, I don't want it to end up in the digital landfill. Ah. <laughs> right. Well, it's and like so momentum. I haven't seen that. a book like that. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. So, well, if you talk about, you know, how did you do it when you're young? I immediately think of my 22 year old daughter who's downstairs <laughs> who didn't even get to go back and finish uh, or, or have a graduation ceremony, but she's now a graduate, very interested in marketing. And she's been reading books about, you know, life in your 20s and, and what you should be doing. And uh, that would be uh, that would be such a great inspiration. If that's if that type of thing is in the book, you got an extra buyer here. So, uh Please do oh, I that. I much appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, but don't forget about uh, the Marketing Book Podcast. I know, you know, we, you, you see the thing I hope the listener appreciates, you know, she's on uh, national TV, you know, the Wall Street Journal, all these things, but yet she still makes time for us. So I hope that everyone will reach out and, uh, you know, thank her for, for doing this. And I'm going to include her LinkedIn profile on the episode show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com. But Sham, I hope that you and your uh, family and everyone in your world uh, continues to stay safe and healthy. And I appreciate you coming on this uh, special limited time series of authors in quarantine getting cocktails. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed you and in, in taking this break with, with the audience and a nice hot cup of tea. <laughs> Thank you.
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.